maximize your sense of aliveness, gain new perspectives on health, your body, and the meaning of life. You can control your physiology and how you feel in your body in this moment. Your life will never be the same. This is the Vitality Podcast with Andrea Page. I love it. The 27th floor, health is always there. (laughs) That's great. It's like, let's get up there. Come on, do we take the stairs or the elevator? And that's really, that's the, the, the work I do. It's, it's the question of how to get up to the 27th floor. Um, because most of us are stuck, whether we know it or not, somewhere around the third floor, the fourth floor, where we think that, like, this is where health is. It's somewhere on the spa level. Right? And, we're, <laughs> and we're just enjoying, like, okay, this is how life is. I'm supposed to wake up and feel like I need breakfast or I want my coffee or I want my chai. And, you know, sometimes later in life I'm going to get sick. That's life on the third floor. And so sometimes you get to the fourth floor and you're like, God, I feel better than I did yesterday. Or I don't have those digestive problems. And then maybe you start on a health journey and you, you start to change and simplify your life. And all of a sudden you're on the fifth floor and you're like, I kind of feel much better. I don't want to go back to the third floor, right, where I felt like I needed so much. And then sometimes... You get an opportunity where you have the availability to be held in a space where you can reinvent your relationship with your body. And that's like a 10-floor boost. All right, so what are we up to now? 15th floor. (laughs) We're almost at the 27th floor. And that that 10-floor boost happens fastest through fasting. And so what Dr. Purnima was referring to, we had just an hour ago, the last lecture was on fasting, some of you were here, and what we look at with fasting is the body's ability to heal itself, and that's not something that you were taught in school. I'll just start there. The body can heal itself. That should be a bit of a surprise to most, yeah? And yet, we still, even in the holistic medical paradigm, think that we need something, that we need to take this or that or this to correct it, or we need something from outside of us, when indeed all we need is us. We need time and space to allow the body to heal. And so fasting in a nutshell is that when we stop taking in solid fibrous matter, all of a sudden the energy that would normally go to digestion turns around to heal and cleanse at a cellular level. And that's pretty miraculous, the fact that your body can heal itself. It just has to have the time and the time off to do so. And so um, the retreat that I'm holding here, because we could have done a a million things. When Harsh and I were organizing my visit to Mumbai, we could have, you know, I just do a few yoga classes, maybe a few lectures like this, and then you leave. And you're like, hey, that, that crazy... American girl came one time and talked about all these topics and did some yoga and it didn't really have an effect on you, right? But last hour during the fasting lecture, I was referring to this imaginary door, right? Somewhere here. And it could be like the elevator to get on that 10 floor boost that you're walking on or through. And walking through that door is you having your own experience so that you're no longer believing me and it's not something in the mind and rather it's an embodied understanding. And that's, that's big, that's huge. Because when it comes into the body, that's when you make the changes in your life 
that can be preventative health for the rest of your time in this human body. For now, it's like we're just, you know, walking along on the third floor <laughs> and everyone's getting sick. Who knows someone who's sick? Right. Everyone's hands should be up. <laughs> yeah? And so this raising the bar on health or escalating the elevator, if you will, this is the work that uh, I'm here on this planet to do on a large front. And so when Harsh and I were deciding what can we offer to the people in Mumbai, this is perhaps in the shortest amount of time possible, the most effective prescription, if you will, that we could ever dose out in terms of lifestyle change. And so um, we do invite you to join. That's the reason that we're having these lectures is so that we can meet and uh, you can warm up to my teachings and understand really what's, what's going on on a deeper level with this practice of fasting as well as the retreat itself. And I can talk more about it at the end. Um, this lecture, I don't know if any of you came specifically for it, but uh, it was entitled Epigenetics in the Microbiome. And so we will be talking about this, and this is um, a very exciting new field of, of research in the scientific sphere, and it's stuff that us in the natural medicine sphere have known forever, <laughs> right? So um, I've just come from spending a week, a blessed week, with Dr. Bruce Lipton, who is one of the founders of the epigenetics movement at the International Yoga Festival in Rishikesh, where I go every year to teach. And uh, is anyone familiar with Bruce Lipton's work? Those of you at the, who are at the festival? <laughs> he is a, a, amazing, an amazing being, a fire in his own right, ready to really take the world by charge. And for those of us like me in, in the spiritual world or in the yogic world, what Bruce Lipton is teaching or talking about is verifying Right? Everything that the Vedas have known for thousands of years. And it's nice that science can catch up and that he can be a little bit of the portal straddling the two worlds. And so epigenetics, in short, if you will, is the understanding that our genes and our genome decide about 1% of what happens and what manifests on a physical level. We can have the genetic influence, but whether those genes are expressed or not depends 99% more <laughs> on our lifestyle and how we choose to live. Right? So you can go and you can get, I don't know, genetic treatments or chemical pharmaceuticals or even surgical intervention, or you can just change some things in your lifestyle. <laughs> and it's going to have so much more of an effect upon the resulting health. Yeah, and so a lot of, um, I'm doing a whole process of rebranding now and I'm playing with the phrase lifestyle medicine because that is what I feel I prescribe. As I've said a few times today, I'm kind of here to, to hold up a user manual for the body because it's like you were given a very expensive vehicle that your spirit drives through life, but you didn't read the user manual. <laughs> and so there we are. Right? And we're left with a car that hasn't been tuned up in a while. Right? Needs to go in for an oil change. Right? Or perhaps exhaust removal or whatever it might be. And so it's our responsibility to not only take our body in and tune it up, and fasting is the fastest way to do that, but also to learn after that tune-up how to keep it tuned up. Yeah? And so that's, that's my line of work. 
Um, on a certifiable level, I have a master's of science in something called ethnobotany, the study of the relationship between people and plants. And my specialty in that is gastroethnobotany, food plants. Right? And so I have a large mm. bias towards plants and green things and cleansing at large and right living. I am a natural hygienist in essence of everything I do. And so that means that I use science and the science of fasting particularly for healing. And it's, it's essentially the understanding that as we simplify almost everything in our lives, we come back to the body's ability and time and space to heal itself. Short, in a nutshell. Other biases that I have are a bias towards the large intestine for removal. Most people in the world today are constipated. This morning we had a big old group and uh, I made them tell me how, much, how many times a day they poop. We have more of an intimate group, so I won't do that today. <laughs> uh, in general, we're meant to be pooping once per meal per day. Right? Something goes in, something goes out, just like babies, just like dogs. That's also something you were not taught in school. Right? But we are so disconnected from these human bodies today that we simply don't know how they are meant to work. Right? We're the only species that needs a nutritionist. You don't see bears going around or foxes going around saying, what should I eat? Or no, I only have brown rice or whatever it is, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy that we're so disconnected. And so a lot of this reconnection is essentially the work I do, whether that's reconnection on the level of the heart, what you could call spiritual, reconnection to a sense of purpose in life, or reconnection to this physical vehicle and how it functions and how it's meant to be tuned up. And so, um, yeah, looking at the science of epigenetics, we can understand that as we read the user manual, as we, if you will, treat the body as it's meant to be treated or it wants to be, then all of a sudden, right living produces a few more boosts, levels up higher and higher. Right? Maybe we're on the 17th floor now. Yeah, sounds pretty good. And it's simple because it's the choices that we make. It's what we eat, what we drink, and what we think. And that's a big part of the work, especially that, that Bruce does, Dr. Lifton, with thoughts and how our thoughts indicate our reality. You know, that our thoughts are not contained in our head as much as you think they are. I know you think I can't hear what you're thinking, but I can. Right? Our thoughts have been proven to have radio waves away from our head. We used to have only an EEG where, you know, it's detecting brain activity. Well, now there's a magnetic version where there's nothing on your head. It's detecting from out here. And so that's the proof right there that the thoughts in their vibration, in their frequency, have an effect upon everything we experience. And so a big part of fasting as well is learning to listen to your thoughts. Because who's ever eaten to get your mind off of things? All right, we have a few honest people in the back and a bunch of liars up here. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. I love you. You're not liars. But we all have, right? Emotional eating, it's a huge part of human existence in the modern world. And the reason for that is actually physiological. When we eat to get our mind off of things, literally, up to 70% of all available energy can flow to the digestive tract at any one time, and that's reflected by blood flow. And so that blood effectively flows down away from the brain right, to the digestive tract. 
Thus, we've gotten our mind off of things. And that, that way of coping, that using food as an outlet, especially noticing if food makes you tired ever, anyone? You feel kind of sleepy afterwards? Well, that sleepiness is like a withdrawal from the world, from quote-unquote reality or from an activated, vital expression of life. And when you withdraw, you don't have to deal with things. And so when food's not an option, you have to deal with things. But it can be really nice if we do it lovingly, mindfully, consciously. You can start to become aware. We become aware of patterns. I publicly often say that every human today has a massive addiction to food. Right? And I was, I was actually talking with Tommy, Tommy Rosen and, and his crew at the festival who are doing addiction work. And I'm going to start to put out, I think, maybe at least start with an article, The Last Addiction, Food. Because we talk all the time about addiction to drugs or addiction to alcohol, right? or even addiction to sex with some people. I know that's very taboo in India. But this idea of, of addiction, and, and yet we're all walking around with a massive addiction to food. And if we continue to eat, right, we're never going to get off of it. It's like a heroin addict that only has a little bit of heroin or only white heroin. <laughs> you, know? it's, you need to have a period where you don't have any of it in order for the withdrawal to happen. And withdrawal is not only a physical response. Right? It's more than anything mental and emotional. And so the magic that happens through the practice of taking space from food is incredible. You learn things about yourself that you never knew, that you'd be surprised about, and that you'll be excited about after. And moreover, the practice of fasting in and of itself is something that results in quickest, deepest healing. Anything. There's no medication on the shelf. There's no treatment that you can order or really surgery that you could undergo that gives you the same response on a physiological level of the immune system boosted, discovery of self, it's in every spiritual tradition throughout the world, and, and really realizing, perhaps, many people on my programs do, why you're here, <laughs> right? What you want to do with the rest of your life. Because once we find health, and clarity, fasting prov provides a tremendous amount of clarity, then we have a space, connection, to decide you know, what we want to do or how we want to express this vitality, this prana that flows through us. But we need that clarity, because otherwise, so many messages, mixed signals, chemicals, food are coming into the body, clouding or shrouding our vision. Does that make sense? Yeah? All right, I want everyone to go like this. Okay, you can do it. I promise. You can close your eyes. No one's going to see you. Ready? One, two, three. Come, come, come. Join me. Oh, don't be a not fun audience, please. All right, we're going to try it one more time. You can do this. Ready? Prepare your hands. Prepare, prepare. One, two. Come on. One, two, three. I think everyone's smiling. That's good. That's medicine. That right there, I just dosed you. I've dosed you. All right? And so this kind of understanding, I love seeing you smile now. You're such a better audience. We've gone up two floors just by laughing. <laughs> okay? this, this kind of approach to health is so needed, where it's not about medicine or the mind or this or that or right or wrong. 
it's all inclusive. It has to do with our human experience. And so that's the space that I choose to hold. It's, it's seeing all of you in your glory and your beauty yeah? and allowing you to see yourself. So epigenetics, that silly exercise that we just did changed the vibratory thought patterns coming out of your head. You have effectively gotten healthier by being sillier. That's pretty cool. I'll take an order of that. Anyone else? Yeah, pretty cool. So um, this, when, when we get down to, to epigenetics at its depth, everything we expose ourselves to, of course, toxins that could be in food, uh, any kind of additives and preservatives in packaged foods, definitely any medication, uh, as well as any kind of environmental toxins, be it air pollution, right? be it air freshener, chemical stuff sprayed in the air, any of this. It's going to have, of course, a bit of a detrimental effect inside of the body. You know that, right? And I'm not here to teach you that at all. This world is more toxic than any other world that's ever existed for human life. And so it's our responsibility to then take our level of detoxing a little higher and commit to a cleaner life because we live in a dirtier world. Does that make sense? It's like we have to even out the playing board. And yet, that's difficult because I know the world that's fast and convenient and easy is not the one that supports your health. And we can only go so far or so hard against the current and working against the system of the body before disease develops. A disease doesn't have to develop. That's what the science of epigenetics tells us, is that it's our choice. And so other work that I do with other amazing doctors in the world, in the West, some of my teachers, people like Colin T. Campbell, uh, Neil Barnard, Dean Ornish, yeah, Dr. Esselstein, they're doctors specifically in North America, the ones I named, Joel Furman, who are working to reverse disease. Yeah. Colin T. Campbell in his uh, quintessential work, the longest clinical nutrition study ever done, more than 40 years comparing rural Chinese diet and lifestyle with the standard American diet and lifestyle and looking at the absence or presence of disease. What do you think was found? <laughs> of course, it's obvious, right? In the United States, there was tons more disease. And so the findings of this study, which wasn't only epidemiological or population-based, it was also clinical. There was a clinical confirmation of what was found on the population-based study showed conclusively that the five most prevalent maladies of today, cancer, diabetes, heart disease, autoimmune diseases, and obesity are not only all completely preventable, but also possible and reversible through diet and lifestyle change alone. That's pretty magical because what that means is that health is in your hands. What you eat, what you drink, and what you think. And so it's only a matter of time before we have to go to the school for right living. Right? Maybe that's the better. I'd like to teach there. The school for right living because that's not what we were given as a kid. And it's definitely not what we were given here in this modern world with advertising, right? Not only from the pharmaceutical companies, but definitely from the food industry, 
That's a big one. How many messages you're given that you need something or that you're unwell or that you're, yeah, you're sick and so you need to take this medication. Has anyone ever self-diagnosed? As a kid, I remember seeing those pharma commercials on TV, right? And they would say, do you have blah, 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 blah? Then you're probably blah, <laughs> right? And it's like, oh my God, that's me, <laughs> yeah? And, and what it is, in, in, um, it's great because in naturopathy we have something called the unity of disease. All disease is one thing. It's stagnation in the body. Right? Whether that's in the nervous system, whether that's in the cardiovascular system, whether that's in, who knows, the urinary tract, right? wherever it is, it's stagnation in the body. And so what is the antidote to stagnation? Anyone? Yeah, both of you. Yes. And I'm sure there are four more words that you had in your head, but you didn't say, but the thought vibrations, I heard it. <laughs> Movement, flow, is the opposite to stagnation. That's what creates health. And so with this understanding, right, it's our responsibility to create a lot more movement and flow in our life. So whether it's shaking your hands, going, ah, and laughing, right, whether it's a physical practice like yogasana, whether it's massive amounts of hydration and a flushing like you would experience in a fast, you're not having any solid fibrous matter, there's only flow through the body, this is what creates health. That's simple, really. And so because there's the unity of disease, there's also then the unity of cure. That all cure happens when we just sit back and allow the body to flow and process. And we stop putting in all the stuff that clogs it up. Because if you weren't one of those people who poops once per meal per day, there's clogging. So there has to be a certain point where we stop putting things in. Does that make sense? Sometimes I give the example of uh, like a, some kind of processing machine. Um, a juicer is what I usually like to choose. Have you seen a juice machine work? You, you come to the three-day fast and we'll, uh, we have a juicer that we'll demo. We'll show you how to use it. Uh, but in general, you put in the fruits and the vegetables, right? And out comes the juice and then the fiber. They come out two different shoots. So you put things in and then they come out either juice or fiber. Well, imagine it was clogged, yeah? And, and then you kept putting things in. <laughs> you, kept, you just kept putting things in. It's not coming out. But you keep putting things in. Oh, maybe a little bit comes out. But then you keep putting things in. It's not coming out. You keep putting things in. What happens? It's going to break. Yeah, it's constipated, definitely. But it's going to break. Do you see that? That's disease manifesting. It, 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 health could not be more simple. This is the human body. Does that make sense? We need to really stop putting things in for a little bit of time and allow things to come out. And so, like, I'm giving you the recipe for success for the next 20, 30, 40 years. I'm giving you the, at least the, I'm pointing the way to the stairs for the next 10 floors <laughs> to escalate to get to the 27th floor, right? And through the practice of fasting, that's the, that's the lift. That's the elevator to get there. And so um, in terms of epigenetics, we are the makers of our destiny and our fate, right? At least in the realm of health. And so hopefully you can take this power that I've just told you that you have, 
because it's been a really long time that we've disempowered ourselves and given our health away from to doctors and health institutions or even to an extent our parents when we were younger and said that oh I don't know anything right, you get home and what did the doctor say right? as if you who's lived in this body for 30 40 50 60 years don't know anything about it we have to spend some time with it and so this reconnection to the body is perhaps one of the most precious things we can do because this is where we live this is where we live from this is our headquarters for life this physical vessel and if headquarters is all messy and clogged and people just keep shoving things in the juicer but nothing's coming out right? <laughs> we're not going to be able to have such a clean operation yeah? and when you're clean inside everything outside is clear there's not so much confusion or emotional turmoil and so it's, it's way more than just physical. Hmm? In terms of the microbiome, which is the other part of what we'll be discussing this evening, microbiome is talking about the micro, so small, really something you would have to use a magnifying glass or a, a telescope. A telescope. Um, microscope, thank you. In my third lecture today, can you tell? A microscope to see. <laughs> and the biome part is about an environment hmm? just like uh, do you remember learning in school about the tundra and the tropical rainforest all the different biomes the environments so it's talking about the minuscule environment that you have in your belly the microbiome hmm? and i won't say belly because that's i mean it's referring to an area but most of you think that your stomach's here when indeed your stomach's there we do a whole amazing lecture on the digestive system. We'll do it during the three-day retreat. Uh, and it's a big wake-up call for a lot of people to realize actually how disconnected we are from our body. The fact that if I asked you, where's your stomach, most of you would say here. Isn't that crazy? Anyway, moving on. The microbiome is talking about the bacterial balance right, and perfect harmony that is to exist in our intestinal tract as well as throughout the entire body there's bacteria there's good bacteria and bad bacteria there's yin and there's yang there's day there's night this is the world of duality in which we are manifest right. however today there's the good bacteria which would be like probiotics good pro for biota life and then antibiotics have you heard that word before it's kind of like a curse word in our house antibiotics <coughs> against life that's actually what the Latin translation means it's against life right. my little phrase and slogan and my website is live for vitality so it's like live for life rather than against life does that make sense so with this the probiotics and the antibiotics which are we exposed to more today we know this, and it might even be beyond where you think you know. So like antibiotic medication, for sure. Who's taken it before? Yeah, those of you who haven't, I want to meet your mother. <laughs> but in general, it's prescribed right and left, like it's chewing gum. Have some, here. And the thing is that that's like an atomic bomb inside of your system. <laughs> That'll be a good sound effect for the recording. <laughs> Everything is just destroyed completely. Yeah? The good and the bad. It's left with a wasteland. And what do you have in a wasteland? Nothing. Is there life? 
Not so much. The probiotics have been pretty much destroyed. And so, yeah, sure, you can take probiotics. Who takes probiotics capsules? Yeah, so most of you who have been concerned with health, that actually wasn't a lot of you, but those of you who have had like this exposure to health, it's all over the world today. People are saying we need more probiotics because we've realized that we're living in a wasteland. And it's the same exact thing as a post-atomic fallout. Right? If you imagine the Earth after an atomic bomb explosion, can anything grow there? Do things thrive there? Is it a nice place to hang out? No, and so this is essentially the inside of many of our bodies. As a child, or as a teenager really, I was on antibiotics for five years every single day. Yeah, that's what they do in the United States. That's pretty crazy. That's taken a good 15 years to get over, at least a little bit. Right? This healing process from coming back from a wasteland is huge. And it's not only the pharmaceutical medication of antibiotics. The thing is, who's used antibacterial hand soap before? What's the famous Indian brand, Dettol? Yeah, guess what that is? It's an antibiotic. Is your jaw dropping? It should be dropping. Drop it. <laughs> you, are, you are actively volunteering to put antibiotics through your skin every day. And guess what? It takes 26 seconds when absorbed through the pores into the skin to cross into the blood. Yeah, that's pretty fast. Let alone your shampoo, your makeup, your cosmetics, your makeup remover, this, that, etc. All of this is adding to the wasteland. It's a form of antibiotic. When we get to pesticides, right? chemical fertilizers and pesticides on foods, right? non-organic foods, this is a huge... <laughs> There's another sound effect. Gesundheit. <laughs> antibiotic explosion, more or less. It has a similar effect upon the system. How about if anyone eats animal products, you know, like the flesh of animals or the eggs of animals or even the milk of animals? Guess what? Those animals, usually factory farmed, are injected with antibiotics to keep them healthy in that unnatural environment. I quote unquote scare quotes on the healthy, right? Because it's actually just keeping them not sick, it's not keeping them healthy. Those antibiotics go straight through their bloodstream and into their milk or into their eggs or definitely are still there in the flesh. And so in eating that, you're consuming the antibiotics as well. That's huge. To make that shift in understanding, that's pretty significant. And so we are exposed to antibiotics far beyond where we think we know, right? far beyond the pharmaceutical industry. And so when it comes to a discussion about the microbiome, which I think that's what we're having. I don't know how much of a discussion it is. It's a one-sided discussion. <laughs> we'll open up to questions in a little bit. Right? But when we discuss this, the topic of the microbiome, we're in this wasteland. And we could all use a little bit of help. We could all use a little bit of miracle grow, a little bit of nourishment and love. Definitely some hydration. How much water are we supposed to drink per day, Shlomo? Three. Right. Three liters, very good. Three liters, that's the amount of water that the body uses and loses just by waking up in the morning. He passed the pop quiz. He's been here all day, it's good. He's, <laughs> he's enrolled. So with this, 
we could use a little bit of love on this land. And the biggest way to love is through good bacteria, putting back in the good. However, just sprinkling some good right, without changing the greater environment won't do anything. And so a lot of people are taking probiotics and they're taking probiotics, but because of their diet being too acidic, so too much alcohol, coffee, grains, too much animal products, right? too many overly cooked foods, right? spicy things, anything that's not sattvic essentially, anything that's not fruits or vegetables, having too much of the other stuff, all of a sudden the pH or the potence hertz, which is a measurement of acidity or alkalinity, it's too acidic. And most people, I mean, I test, you'll come on the retreat and we test your pH. I have pH papers where we're going to see the chemistry inside of your body. And that's going to tell you, really, if your ground is ripe and ready for growth and health, or if it's kind of ready to die. You know, that's the most valuable test, the cheapest, most valuable health test is a pH test. Yeah? And the thing is, for the good bacteria, those probiotics that you might be taking to actually implant in your colon or in the earth like this, you have to have an alkaline pH. How do you alkalize? Sattvic food, fruits and vegetables. Fasting, it happens automatically. Green stuff, the most alkaline. Alkalinity of nine or 10 sometimes, green juice. Yeah, and so that kind of lifestyle and diet change shifts everything down to the microbiome. Right? When we can get a little more balance, we can create that alkaline environment so that the good bacteria can actually hang out and stay and plant. Then that's when stuff begins to flourish. So I started from the health entry. I could have also started from, have you ever had, right? any kind of sinus condition, any kind of bloating, any kind of skin condition, any kind of dandruff, any kind of allergy, any kind of other autoimmune expression, right? Any kind of XYZ, all of these diseases. Remember I told you they were actually only one thing? Symptom expression of an underlying greater issue it largely has to do with that tipping point between acidity and alkalinity. Because we don't have a healthy soil environment inside of our bodies, right? we don't have a place to plant health, literally. And so it's not only that we have to stop taking antibiotics, right? But it's our responsibility to change our lifestyle in a way that's more alkaline and thus more nourishing for the good bacteria that we're taking in, hopefully not only through a probiotic capsule, but also through eating fermented foods. Yeah, so here in India we have pickles. <laughs> you like eating pickles? Sometimes there's a bit more salt and sugar and oil than needed. Yeah, maybe chilies too. But a simple, sort of simple fermented vegetable is often all we need. Yeah. Or idli and dosa from the south. Right, this is a fermented food, of course. Maybe it's a bit cooked and a bit much with oil. And the, the dosa, I prefer the idli rather than the dosa if you're actually looking for it to be medical. Right. But these are probiotic foods. Can you name others that I don't know about in India? I know there's dokla. Yeah? Is that good? Am I right? <laughs> From Gujarat, right? <laughs> I've lived in India a while. Of course. 
So any kind of yogurt, although we're going to look at the fact that it's quite also acidic on the body, so even though it's giving probiotics, it's very acidifying. So it's kind of cancels each other out, maybe. Are there any other fermented foods that I don't know about? So that would be, it would be like the yogurt, yeah? Anything else? Come on, tell me, teach me new things. This is my ethnobotany. <laughs> no? All right, you'll think about it. Let me know after if you can think of any other fermented foods. But all cultures, right, all countries, all people throughout the world have fermented foods because we've realized that we simply don't have enough good bacteria. Originally, you know, like a million years ago, there were these things called soil-based organisms, SBOs, where the Mother Earth, she had probiotics in her soil. We don't really have those anymore because of all of the chemical f pesticides and fertilizers that we've used on the earth. We've killed it all off. And so we don't get that good bacteria from our food anymore. And so we've had to find a way to make it. And so what we do is we ferment things, we culture things. We allow the good bacteria to flourish and thrive so then we can take it in and it can travel through the entire digestive tract, which is a very big difference than with a, a simple pill. Hmm? Is wine a fermented Ah, love her. Is wine a fermented food? Yes, it is. But just like the yogurt, it's very acidic. It's even more acidic. And so because of that, it would definitely cancel out any, any benefit. So it's a very interesting question. It would also be acidic, especially if you're using a modern strain of wheat. Um, but certain kinds of raw sourdoughs from like a millet, that would be something interesting. Um, but yeah, so it is fermented, but does it give you the good bacteria? Mm, questionable. Sprouts. There are better sources. Sprouts. Sprouts aren't necessarily fermented, but they are a wonderful source of, of nutrition as well as plant fiber. Yeah. So we'll, we'll transition easily. I love how the wine question was first. We'll transition into questions now. For any questions you have about the microbiome, about epigenetics, about fasting, anything like that. Yes. For the fasting. Yeah. Now, even juices require digestion, right? But it's like only a short period of time for digestion. So yeah. that leads us to the shutting down for a long time instead of having fiber and allowing the digestion to go on continuously for a longer time. See, he's a and good student, huh? <laughs> yes, 100%. So what you're getting to, and I love that you're curious at this point after all three lectures today. Uh, the science of food combining, which is one of the biggest gifts that natural hygiene gives the world. And Ayurveda talks about food combining, but not in such a systematic way. And it's one of the most popular lectures that I give, food combining. And we have it as a part of the retreat. Um, it's looking at the science, or the physiology, really, of digestion in the organ of the stomach itself. So that we can see the transit time of how long it takes for something when we eat, to, for the body to take it. Yeah? And that would answer your question in entirety. To be short now, uh, and just answer it briefly, yes, digestion of juices will take about 15 minutes for a liquid to come in and out of an empty stomach. And so it is much more minimal in the digestion. It doesn't enter into the digestive tract in terms of the lower bowel with the large intestine and even the small intestine. And so because of that, there's not the act of peristalsis or the muscular activity and the digestive tract can stay sleeping. So having yeah. fruits will be a little bit 
well, the fiber of the fruits has to pass through the digestive tract, so it will ignite peristalsis or that muscular action in the intestines. So it's different, you see? That's why liquid only. But then it's not as bad as the fried foods and all the kinds Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. A, a fruit cleanse is a great thing to do. That's how I choose to live most of my life. Yeah, the simpler, the better. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Vitality Podcast. Please click over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review to spread this work with the world. You have a part in transforming humanity's health. Keep enjoying this free resource and make sure to give back by sharing, subscribing, and checking out all of Andrea's work at liveforvitality.com, where you can find links to Instagram and other social media. Andrea also gives astrology readings, holds online fasting retreats, and teaches detox courses and advanced yoga teacher trainings. So come to liveforvitality.com and let Andrea transform your life now.